Hello, everybody and freshly based bastards. Welcome back to Mostly Peaceful Podcast, Episode 6. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about that sussy Sussman trial verdict. And then we're going to move into some 420 preparation with the effects of corporatism on cannabis culture. Next up, we'll hit some fresh picks with the albums we like to listen to when we're stoned. And then we'll get more serious and talk about MK Ultra, Operation Sea Spray, the origins of Lyme disease, and essentially just government attacks on their own people. Sounds like a fun day. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Freshly Based, Mostly Peaceful Podcast. The man already told you what we talk about today. I am your backup host. My name is Hosar Josefet Jorkanian. And I'm here today with my friends, your favorites. Yo, let's be frank. <laughs> I don't know how long you're going to be able to keep up that for. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about. This is the first I was born with to speak with. And this is BK, Brandon, also. Uh, what up? Very nice to be here with you boys. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. I had something Middle Eastern in my throat. Hey, everybody. This is Joey. Nice to be here with you all today. Um, so the Sussman trial verdict. Sussy. Man, there was a lot of dooming and glooming and people that were super upset on the Donald's Great Awakening, uh, Instagram. And, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, you know, Brandon, why, why don't you give people like a rundown of like the synopsis of what the Sussman trial was about? And then we can kind of get into like some of the fucking weird things that show that this was definitely rigged. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, the breakdown for everybody is this. So, this guy Sussman gets indicted by uh, John Durham, and Durham is a uh, special counsel of the United States appointed by uh, Will Barr in 2020. And what this whole case centers around is there was really only one charge actually brought up against Sussman of him lying to the FBI. That was the charge, and lying in in a deposition. Um but it really extends way further because that lie is between is about a communication that either you know supposedly did or did not happen between the Trump uh, organization and a a Russian anything. They just said it was a Russian individual. There was communication there, and really, there not much came from that. There wasn't even a communication. Nothing came from that. But a lot of the information surrounding this was put into that fake steel dossier, and a lot of other things got out. So they're saying that uh, this information was given over to the Clinton Foundation. He was working with this law firm called Perkins Coie, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And Coie's involved with all sorts of shadiness. And unfortunately, at the end of the trial, they've uh, acquitted Sussman of this supposed wrongdoing. But we all know what kind of what happened, right? And... There's a lot of shadiness involving the whole trial. And if you don't, you know, I'm just going to read this thing here. So, so where everyone's clear, Durham alleged Sussman had lied in his meeting with then FBI general counsel, James Baker, by saying that he was not representing any clients in relaying a since debunked allegation of a secret communication channel between the Russian Alpha Bank and the Trump organization. According to Durham, Sussman was at the time representing two clients from Perkins Coie law firm, Clinton campaign and then new star tech firm executive Rodney Jaffe and Sussman claimed he told the truth and according to the jury, which we'll talk about in a moment agreed with him, but there's a lot of sides, Trump, Devin Nunez, uh, Trump media technology group, CEO. He, he said like, it's rigged. 
Yeah, b- before everything went down, I was, and sorry to, to cut you off, but... No, be- that was it. That was the story. So before, you know, everything went down, you know, weeks before the verdict, Trump mentioned that, like, uh, Lisa Strzok and some other people, like, had involvement with the judge and shit, mm-hmm. um, and that people on the jury were, you know, Clinton advocates, you know. It was three of them? Yes, it was three out of the 12 jurors, so he, he even said rigged in all capitals. Um, and, and D.C. was a 90% voted for Clinton district. Yeah, well, they call it a swamp for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a good segue before we talk about the the jury. Is you know, this is kind of the typical round robin when anything related to the Clinton Foundation is involved. When you know people get involved or are recruited and given information, and then it comes full circle to the FBI, where it's just you know, oh hey, we found information about you know that could potentially be. Um, you know, not beneficial, but hurt somebody else. Okay, go ahead and feed that to the FBI and then go, oh, yeah, no, that's great. Let's continue to pursue it, right? It's just this circle of just feeding information where it's coming from the Clinton campaign, but yes, this individual contributor is is treating it as his own, right? Acting as a, uh, as a single person bringing mm-hmm. this information to, to be researched and, and dug into. No, for sure. It's um smells, the, the scary sussy. the scary thing is that the FBI is on the payroll of some other entity aside from the the best interests of the American people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that freaks me out the most about all of this is that, you know, JFK had brought up that the FBI uh the FBI and the CIA were, you know, essentially part of this clandestine group that was trying to destroy the United States from within. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, soon after he did that speech, he got shot in the head at a parade in front of his son and wife. So, um, you know, the last president to go after these people, you know, back then there wasn't cell phone cameras and the amount of technology that you could trap somebody like, you know, it's harder to make a paper trail, shit like that. Mm-hmm. If and, you yeah think about the implication, you know, like Sussman might have walked away, but this also might have opened the door for Durham to continue to take down bigger and bigger fish. Like, I'm okay with throwing back a guppy if we're going to get a fish that's going to, you know, yeah. feed the village. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I think the next guy he's he's going after is Danchenko. Igor Danchenko, a Russian national, and uh, he worked for that guy Christopher Steele. Uh, he worked for their organization. Who produced the fake dossier. Yeah, he's being brought up on five charges of lying to the FBI or lying to federal investigators. And if they find anything against our, you know, enlightening related to Sussman during this trial, right, he can be retried, right? Yeah, you so, can retry okay. him. If Correct. New evidence. New, new, new evidence, yeah. You know, if Igor, if, if this guy Danchenko says anything that contradicts anything Sussman said under deposition or trial, it's like, hey, Sussman, get your ass back to court. And Durham's no slouch. It's not like, you know, Durham's not a fucking great investigator. He helped put away Whitey Bulger. He he uh had a, he led a case against the CIA for they destroyed a bunch of interrogation tapes and apparently there's some damning stuff on there about the government doing some things they shouldn't be. So it's not like he's already not got a track record with the globalists on that front. That makes sense, yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean, the fact that, you know, the, the trial was held in D.C., right, where we, we kind of alluded to, um, you know, the 90%, um, what, what was the stat you said? Clinton received 90% of the vote in 2016. 
mm-hmm. you know, that, that brings us back to the jurors and e- even the judge, right? The, the judge was an Obama appointing judge. And there's even um, some of the things that I've read and heard are that the jurors were even influenced by Clinton campaign um, c- contributions. So you already have this idea of, um, you know, uh, them the Clinton uh, administration being like, oh yeah, go ahead, let's let's take it to court and see what you guys got. We already own the court, so you know we we can you know have whatever outcome we want. So. Yeah, it's interesting that this this other case is going to be in Virginia. Um, you know, uh, Cash Patel was just you know basically calling on the DOJ to move these trials outside of DC and keep them out of there. Um, you know, the Q Q made a post where he said, "How do you present evidence legally, and how do you present it to the masses?" And if you think about what John's Durham's doing, you know, he said, watch the water drip, drip, drip. That was another Q post that kind of followed that up. And it's at this, it's at this juncture where it's like, if you think of all the things that are kind of unraveling, right? You have um, Biden's horrific pretend presidency where gas prices in California and some spots have hit $8 a gallon. Um, the fucking mess of a pullout in Iraq where, you know, not only life was lost, but, you know, billions, billions of dollars of our tax dollars by trillions went, you know, into the hands of our enemy who were then, you know, using that against their own people, our people, Um, you know, the divisive nature of the left stance, you know, anybody that disagrees with their fucking dogmatic bullshit is a domestic terrorist, white supremacist, Nazi piece of shit. Yeah, you're every, you're you're the worst person in the world because you disagree. That's that's crazy, right? There there are people who acquire thousands, tens of thousands of followers on Instagram or wherever their platform is because they have this specific outlook. And then as soon as they start to see the writing on the wall and that they could have been wrong and they start to switch. I, I, I was listening today and uh, reading somewhere this specific Instagram um, influencer, she changed her t- her tune and she said, oh, instead of, you know, this one view, right? All people should be able to, you know, comment on something. Immediately, she was called white supremacist, yep. a bigot, right away, right off the bat. But if she, but it's it's their own personal echo chamber. I, I hate saying that because it's like one of those, you know, fluff words now. But in the, at the end of the day, it's what it is, right? You want to surround yourself with people that have the same opinion. Anybody has a differing opinion, you just go batshit crazy. It's even like a cult. Like a cult is like that when you talk about like Scientology, right? Um, when somebody starts bad mouthing or trying to defect away from Scientology, they attack you, your family, they cut you off, they cut you off from your family, you know, but um, I digress, like, back to Biden, like, so Biden's tanking the country, right, and he's he's throwing it down the toilet with the help of the Uniparty, so Ted Cruz, Crenshaw, Mo Brooks, like, you guys are all fucking guilty in this, too, um, Republicans are part of the Uniparty, hate to break it to our Republican friends that are listening, but there's people from both sides of the aisle that are getting payoffs and kickbacks and shit from these interests, whether they're the globalists, the Chinese or corporate interests, um, big pharma, whatever, right? They're getting these kickbacks and this money and fucking uh, whatever degeneracy they might be into with the Mac, you know, the Maxwell's and the Epstein's of the world, you know, um, and all that shit. But you have that stuff coming to light into the public eye with like Hunter Biden's laptop and more and more people like, like the like rhino is a popular term now republican in name only so a lot of people are seeing that there's guys like 
Crenshaw, who's they they speak all the Republican points, but then they vote for fucking red flag gun laws. So it's become more and more apparent, like that something's wrong, that certain people are just playing parts for theater while they're um, basically moving forward a larger agenda that they're both a part of. It's kind of like WWE, right? Um, but there was a point when like kayfabe was like their, their code word to like act in character people are around. So if two wrestlers that are supposed to hate each other in a bar and like all of a sudden fans start walking in kayfabe, kayfabe, and then they like separate or they like beef with each other and like, you know, then they separate. It keeps the illusion of the show alive. It's the same thing in politics. You know, a lot of these people fucking, you know, are all part of the world economic forum and shit like that. So the deep state scrambling because of that laptop, you know, because of Biden's like, you know, the 2000 mules movie now has come out. The what is a woman documentary by Walsh came out. So right now the globalist elite liberal bourgeoisie, whatever you want to call them, they're on their toes. Like they, the false flags have been accumulating. There's a shooting every day. Now it feels like, um, and then you notice when it, they need to push their political agenda, which right now it's get rid of guns. Um, that's what you do before you're trying to usher in the last stages of communism. Um, you know, you create food and gas shortages and then you take away the weapons. Those are the things that every communist regime has ever had in common. Um, that those are the thing. First food, and resource shortages, then fuel, and then finally, that's, you know, when starvation and famine happens, that's when they just come, they take the weapons, and then you have nothing to defend yourself with. You either yeah. capitulate or fucking get thrown in a pile and burn alive. So all these things are really out in the open. So now you have the elites going to um, uh, Switzerland. They did the Davos thing, right? And now they're going to Bilderberg. Um, so right now, I think, like, with the Sussman trial... This is one tiny battle in the war, and the war's just heating up. Like, they wouldn't be having Bilderberg the week after they just met. They just met at Davos. Like, now they're at Bilderberg. Mm -hmm. These people are desperately trying to figure out how to stop the fucking tide that's turning. There's more and more people that didn't know anything about any of this shit that I talk to now, and, like, they might not fully see the entire forest for the trees, but they see some green now. Like, they actually see, like, like that, wow, like, you know, there's, there's people I know that, like, they thought Biden or they thought, like, the Democrats or even certain Republicans, like, had their best interests in mind. And now it's, mm -hmm. like, very obvious for people to see. And, you know, I, I think we're so hungry for justice that when we see Sussman, you know, walk, especially now Peter Navarro, uh, Trump's advisor, mm -hmm. was just arrested for no, they can't give a reason why he's just arrested and the FBI just took him in and he just got, he got released and he said, they're coming after all of us. He goes, they're coming after all 78 million of us. So if you think that this is unique to me or Trump's people, no, if you back up Trump or you back up MAGA, like the FBI is looking at you too. Um we're in the middle of like a civil war and these people are, you, you have this, this desperate attempt to take our weapons, to enslave us. Sussman's such a tiny piece of that. And that's like the, the thing that I want to like, there's so many bigger things at play. Sussman's a, a fucking tadpole as far as the people in the game that are actually causing chaos. He's just one pawn from one fucking law firm. So, you know, the people on the, the, the Donald and fucking like the, and, and Instagram going, there's no justice. Yeah. You're in a, you're, you're playing a rigged game. You're in a DC court with a Clinton judge. Like Brandon said, like there's so many things going against you, but you have now 
evidence and you have testimony on record, because remember, Q said, how do you bring this evidence out legally? There's 12 more indictments that this guy has lined up. Uh, and they're bigger, bigger, and bigger fish. So it sounds to me like he's just going upstream. And if we don't get some of the small guys, if we get enough stuff to fucking put the right people behind bars, the people who really like were orchestrating, you know, the the Russia hoax, the steel dossier, plus the the funky election bullshit, like you know, it's it's worth that. Like, and we got to keep positive. Like Trump actually made a statement. Um, essentially saying that like he's not deterred by that he considers this like whatever we're gonna fight twice as hard we, we're not even phased um I, I think what what some people miss is like this is like a civil war that's being fought through the proxy of a culture war of what culture is going to prevail this like uber left fucking hedonistic rainbow fucking colored you know splatoon <laughs> fucking reality mm-hmm. or or something more akin to like you know traditional but not puritanical and i feel like those are the two competing like major realities that are kind of wrestling right now so you have the war on that front with the propaganda machine of the the liberal media and everything like that in the entertainment industry versus like independent content creators like salty dinesh like like these people like these smaller companies that are putting out their own content and stuff like so yeah i mean Dinesh ain't so small anymore right now with 2K mules out. I yeah, mean, he's getting big. He's, he's definitely getting in this, the spotlight. So the only thing that we're missing really, and honestly, I think it's already kicked off, but I think it's kicked off in a different way, a kinetic war. So right now there's not black hats and white hats shooting each other in the street or patriots and comp, right? But if you think about like what Ukraine has been used for, by our politicians and by mm-hmm. by the globalists, it's basically Soros's playground and where they launder money. They also fucking move, you know, human, you know, trafficking through that country. And even Putin said, like, I'm getting rid of the Nazi problem there and fucking the biomedical labs. That was Putin. And Putin, like, it's one of those things where Putin's not a good guy. I don't think Putin's a good guy. I don't think there's any good guy. I think it's like a bunch of shades of fucking tyrant battling each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for for supremacy. Top tyrant. But I feel like Putin's at least like Putin wants McDonald's and all these fucking crazy woke court. Like he has more in common with, you know, like, but the you the Ukraine thing is like the first, I think, kinetic side of this war. And it's being fought. And that's why we're funneling all this money to Ukraine and stuff. I think that these globalists are just trying to move as much money to another country. So if they do have to jump ship. If Trump and the like, if 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 this fucking this trail starting with Sussman goes down, right? Mm-hmm. They're going after Hillary, Barack, by like basically fucking ninety five percent of Washington's going to be fucking indicted, and if it's not federal charges, it's going to be like military fucking tribunals and shit. Like this is a big deal, you know. Especially if they find that it's bigger than the Steele dossier and it's you know the COVID pandemic hoax and all this other shit. Like fucking when they find that all this is orchestrated by this fucking cabal of you know like however many thousand people. I mean, if you look at a magic mega church, you can get one pastor getting 20,000 people fucking believing that they're curing blind people. So don't tell me you couldn't get a group of elitists together with that have, you know, 95% of the world's wealth and they couldn't fucking like try to move humanity like chess pieces. So I really think the Sussman thing is just one step forward in a long line of fucking smaller fish leading up to these, these bigger fish. And if we don't get, 
you know, if we don't get a victory in the courts and we don't start to see justice, you said military is the only way. So how do you present evidence legally and then you go into, you know, military is the only way. The only way that the military can get invoked according to Executive Order 13483 is if there's ample proof that the judicial branch, the executive branch, and the legislative branch are compromised by, you know, foreign or domestic, you know, enemies. And that's when the military could be enacted by that, that executive order. Um, I just don't think the military has enough proof to actually enact that to, to, to make that actionable. And that's why we're going through the pain of the Biden presidency and all this other shit. It's kind of like, you know, the 10 days of darkness, like we're, we're going through this like growing pain of, of the country. Like it's like fucking finding out you're adopted or something like it's yeah, like, right? this like mass mass tragedy fucking like, or like trauma that's like been welled up. Like, I think everybody's kind of known something's wrong in the country. Something's not right. Definitely. And now it's like becoming more apparent than what it is. And the more you cue into that, it becomes more depressing and horrifying. Cause like most of us are decent people. Most of the people that I meet, like, you know, even the ones that I don't like that much, they're not bad people. Like they're not like they're not trying to fucking like take over countries or fucking. Yeah, you just might mm-hmm. not not agree with them on on certain things, and I you you touched on a lot of topics, and and I I'm think, sorry. No, no, you're good. There, I'm there's... sober this time, so and my I... brain's too fucking. Yeah, no, saying, there was a lot. I don't know which one to respond no, to. No, you're you're good there, and I think the you know you brought it full circle with going back into you know next steps and the Durb probe, and but there were two things I wanted to comment on based off of what you brought up, and it kind of loops back in with what you were just saying about how you know people right now are, are just zombies, right? Like it, you brought up the, what is a woman show, right? You're not going to find that or the documentary, right? You're not going to find that on Netflix, right? That That's not on Amazon prime or the Hulu's or HBO max, whatever you're going to have to go out. What, what is it? Uh, the daily wire, right? That's where you're going to have to find it. Right. And you can expect that to be the case nowadays when you have people going out in New York city, right? Where they do the street talk, right? They go out and ask, there's people that can vote that don't know which two countries border the United States. That's I the easiest fucking question in the entire world. And the, and or or who the who the uh, president or of Russia is, right? They go, "Oh, I forgot his name," right? Literally people we are breeding intelligent infants, right? The the intelligence of infants in in our school system. And before I pass it off, the second point I want to bring up is is 2A, right? You talked about food supply, and then guns, right? A lot of people nowadays are blind by the fact that they feel that that the military should be, you know, protecting them. They don't need to have the arms to protect themselves. They go, oh, we don't need two, way. Eh? That was 250 years ago, right? No, that's that's still tr- as true then, as true today as it was then. You you have the right to protect yourself and your family and, and your land and the things that you own. So don't. Don't give that up just because, you know, you feel that it's outdated, right? Or antiquated. Right? Sure. It's valuable. Yeah. And with glad I got an AR just a few months ago. There you go. Yeah. I was going to say like two way. I think the thing that most people miss is two way exists because of what England was doing to America, uh, you know, in mm-hmm. the birth of the country. And there was the a th- tyrannical government stepping too far and got to whoop them their ass and show them a lesson. Yeah, and that's what it's for. What it's for is if the military is turned against us by a tyrannical government, 
And they were across the pond traveling in wooden ships with sails, you know, we're, we're dealing with That's it balls. in our own country, <laughs> right? It's, it's internally now, right? So <laughs> hell of a lot closer, you know? Yeah, it, it's one of those things where, like, don't get sucked into the, the fucking semantic argument. It's really mm-hmm. about being able to protect ourselves if the government goes crazy. And, like, look, we have a, we have a crazy government. We, we have a very, very possibly an illegitimate government or- because they cheated a fucking election. <laughs> I mean that's terrifying. This is this is a very strange time to to be an American. They're ramping it up, man. I saw there's tons of uh, there's been tons of food factory fires. Apparently, yesterday there was a fire where th- tens of thousands of egg laying chickens got killed. And, and people try to say false flags don't exist. They're not just school shootings. It's not just nine eleven. At what time in our history did twenty five food factories burn down in thirty days? Yeah. Never. But when the when the the fucking commies conveniently need a crisis, so more people jump on the nipple of the government, like this is this is fucking insane. Like we're not and we're not dealing with people here. Like when people go, I can't imagine. Like you know, like like you can't imagine it because although you're naive, lib- libtard, like you're not like you're liberal because people prey on your emotions and you mean well. And I think we might be the only, you know, quasi-conservative libertarian group of people that would say that. That you mean well by wanting to embrace everyone's weirdness and mm-hmm. and equality. Like, because these buzzwords fucking hit this emotional Twinkie core inside of you. And you're like, oh, warm and fuzzies. And, and I, and like, it, there's something endearing about the, the childlike... Naive, like naive mindset that you have and i don't mean this in an insulting way because i'd rather liberals listen to this and and be like damn this guy is being fair and not trying just to insult me you know what i mean like fucking what a, we already know the liberals stopped listening or or they're or they're listening and <laughs> they just trying to, to leave some nasty comments and stuff which we welcome that too right like at the end of the day these people want you dead too like communism, like just because you're cheering on all the things that they cheer on, like doesn't mean that you're not going to be the neck that the boot goes on. You think you're going to be the boot if you fucking capitulate, but you're not like, just, just think about all the big corporations that you hated. You now share the same politics with mm-hmm. and the big pharmaceutical companies that a few years ago you didn't trust and you thought they were awful. Now you're getting tattoos of your Pfizer shot. What did the uh, receipt? Like what did the singer of the, there was a quote by the singer of the the Sex Pistols where he said, like, you know, I never saw I'd see the day where the right becomes punk and the left becomes corporate fucking, you know, exclusionary people. Yeah. And and talk like it's a pendulum swing. Like when people say that like things aren't cyclical or like they don't have like like everything's got an ebb and a flow. You know what I mean? Like even rocks gets cut by weather over time, like the Grand Canyon and stuff like things. When you think about like the the seventies and eighties, you had the religious puritanical right, which was mostly made up of hypocrite, hypocritical fucking like televangelists that were like fucking little kids and shit and buying jets. You have these people wanting to censor music, trying to curtail artistic and you know freedom and integrity and shit like that, and trying to pass legislation to censor people. And now it's this fucking bizarro world, reverse engineered version of it coming from the left. Now the rights learned a lot of their lesson from the years and stuff of being, you know, like the, the ones trying to say like 
to show like at one time i remember the liberals wanted everyone to be uncensored and free like you know like uh don't regulate the markets mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah and now it's completely flopped you know i i think the best thing for the country is to fucking divorce from the idea of representative government you know like if we clean up the sussman thing and then everything gets better right but we still have the same form of government that means that like you have the same you have the same opportunity to infiltrate and destroy it again and be in this place in another 50 20 mm-hmm. you know the thing that I think gets missed by Republican and other like pundit type shows where we're just some dudes talking on the internet, like the, the real thing is we have to look at the system itself and say, how could representative government work when we're only given two choices and you either have to fall into this camp or this camp on all these different things. I, I have personal beliefs that are different from my belief of what I think the whole should do. Mm-hmm. A great example yep. is I would never with my girl get an abortion, you know, unless the baby was going to kill her or something like to that level, we wouldn't, we, that wouldn't be our thing. Right. And like, or if the baby was going to be stillborn, I'd say like, those are the two things where we'd even like consider that route. But I, I don't think that other well, people should be, be holding to my, to my bar I just don't think that anyone should have to pay for someone else who chooses to do that. And I don't think you should force doctors who don't want to do that to do that. Mm. And like therein lies my, my perfect vision, which is freedom. The constitution as it was written without all the fucking crazy other shit they've added to it. Like fucking like just the ability for us to, to live our lives and understand that not everybody's going to look at things the same way as you, but just have some basic decorum and some like high level rules that we could all like don't murder each other don't rape each other like you have to get a license to fish you can't collect rainwater you can't grow eggplants in june like there's Mm -hmm. all these fucking crazy like like you're just useless people that are just adding to the misery of this existence and it's the system that perpetuates it so when black lives matter says that there is like an inherently fucked up system they say it's racist i say that it's just bureaucratic insanity that's just pushing us towards you know authoritarianism you call it authoritarianism through racism i call it authoritarianism through an elite class and everybody else like george carlin there's a club and then there's you guys and you're not part of the club you know when when klaus schwab says there's five billion useless eaters on this planet you know, if you don't think you're included in that, like fucking you got another thing coming. So when you're upset at, you know, somebody trying to red pill you or like give you some information outside of the dogma and the, the propaganda you're watching on these mainstream news outlets, Fox included, you know, it's what do we have to gain from it? We we have to lose relationships, family members. People at your job can look at you fucking weird. It's like to say what's true or to even just go against the mainstream narrative. Now you're the outcast. It's a, just because you have a differing opinion from what everybody is consuming in their seven seconds of doom scrolling on Facebook and Instagram. Well, one of the things that I think is really cool is now 70% of the populace, according to Rasmussen polls, believe that the election was most likely stolen or tampered with. To where Trump most likely won. And that includes liberals and independents. So um, They're slowly coming around. I mean, they're slowly seeing it. 
the unit party doesn't want to help you. The Crenshaws of the world, you know, <clears throat> whether you're a Democrat or Republican, anybody who's not for America first and, and fucking helping this country first and getting this kind like, you got to tend your own garden. It's not that I fucking don't feel for the kids in fucking Papua New Guinea and shit. It's just if our kids are still fucking starving and fucking don't have a place to stay and our veterans don't have fucking reliable health care and how like then how the fuck am I like why you know if my marriage is falling apart why am I trying to date this girl over here like yeah. fucking we need to like that's mm -hmm. that's all I think that the fucking right in this country is saying is like we're not opposed to helping other places but let's fucking make this good Mm -hmm. you know and then we can go do more then we can go do more and like honestly like you know from the libertarian point of view we're not even supposed to be getting involved in shit in other countries but i can understand wanting to be philanthropic you know if that's truly like the context but yeah i mean i i always like to say you know cat williams said it best in one of his bits where he said you got to take care of your star player yeah. right that not only starts with you right before you can help others but it starts with what you were alluding to, right? It starts with your country, right? What good are we to other countries if we if we can't handle our own, right? If we're providing support, because now we are now further in debt, putting pressure on the taxpayers here in in our country to to support others. And I agree, right? You feel for them, right? But I also feel for you know down the street, the homeless counties that live off the train tracks, right? Like and the veterans, like you said, especially right? there's. There's so much more that could be done um, here at home than just shoving money abroad unless, you know, it's for some other unforeseen or unknown motive to us, um, which we've alluded to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's the, spot on, man. It's spot on. So I, I, the last the last note that we so had so I here, think for, uh, I think we've really exhausted that. that we did, we topic. did. Yeah, I just wanted to wrap up the Sussman stuff. I mean, we 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 love to digress here as as young. Turns know, out we don't need weed to digress. No, um, just Joey's ADD. The last thing on the <laughs> Sussman was uh, we had a note here around Pfizer, and and you had brought up, um, you know, how a lot of people had this view towards big pharma. Fuck big pharma. Fuck the pill farms and all these things back twenty years ago, and now all of a sudden there. I didn't know people were getting tattoos of their vaccine shots on their arm. That's out of control but i'm curious a, a thought occurred to me is i wonder if maybe one of the first attempts by big pharma to you know attempt to depop the planet by however many percent or however many amount was through the opiate addiction right because that was massive right all the doctors pushing pills people getting addicted then they can't get them anymore they're committing mm -hmm. suicide they're crashing cars they're jumping off building you know doing whatever right could that have been, of course, you know, it's, that's, not, it's not just opiates. It's like, you know, you have an entire, you have a ton of kids, a generation of kids who have been prescribed like tons of different medications and Ritalin. this and that for other things. It's like, oh, your kid's not interested in learning math at the age of six. He obviously has a learning disorder and needs to get on this medication so he can't yeah. think at all. And yeah. the music and the movies and the TV, they watch glorify that shit. It glorified, mm -hmm. like, dude, like Gucci Gang. That whole song's about him doing Xanax and drugs and fucking being a piece of shit. Every song he Gucci. makes is about that. <laughs> <laughs> Although Little Pump is a Trump supporter, oddly enough. Little Trump. Yeah. So just wanted to kind of put, hey, a, put a bow on that. OD right? doesn't care what your political affiliation is. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't. Well, you know. OD for president. It's, fun, <laughs> it, it's funny that you bring up, like, the Depop of, um, you know, with the, the opiate thing. 
when you think about the southern border, one of the main things coming through that border and why Biden's so adamant about leaving it open is fentanyl. Chinese fentanyl is coming into the country, so that helps his Chinese handlers. Plus, it's fucking helping fuel, you know, so now people are depressed, they're out of work, they think this fucking virus is going to kill them. So they're getting hot, like people are losing hope, and they're fucking just like, you know what, I'll die fucking in a dope coma. That sounds like a great segue. The corporatism and cannabis. So I guess I, corporatism and fentanyl. Well, well, no, because I want you know because you because cannabis is something that prevents you know some of these opioid overdoses by it being an alternative. Ah, good correlation. Yeah, Very it's nice. true. There Very was nice. just a study recently that showed there was in in I think it was states that legalized cannabis saw a twenty five to thirty percent drop in total overdose deaths as a percentage. Colorado after after legalization, doing, I mean, Colorado must be doing really well now. I mean, forget the um, you know, the tax revenue that they get from it. Just think of the benefits it's having on the the humans, mm-hmm. right? The the people living in those states, right? But it's actually not what we had on the agenda today. <laughs> the positives of cannabis, but oh, the effects yeah. of corporatism on cannabis. Well, if, sorry to just kinda, well, if you think about <laughs> it though, like I think it's worth talking about the positives of it to to bring in why it's so yeah so. You know, yeah. cannabis, you know, in its infancy of being available to people in a medicinal form, and now there's recreational markets, but this was like mom and pop, small grows, small dispensaries. Um, it had a very grassroots artisan, like going to the local deli type of vibe. Mm-hmm. And now the corporatist, fat cat, Wall Street pieces of shit who have scoffed at, called the police on people, like people who hated cannabis, who hate and hate, and they still hate the people who they sell to come in, the med men, these big uh, fucking Aurora or uh, Canopy, Mm -hmm. GTI, Cresco, all these fucking giant companies come in. They buy up all the small mom and pops, just like Walmart, the same fucking model. And then they homogenize everything. They the destroy hell? the quality of the flour. They destroy and they make the prices higher. So what you're doing now is you're making the product fucking worse and you're making it harder to attain for people, which is directly correlating to more fucking deaths by OD. Because when I was in New York last, an ounce of weed was going for $350. You know how much I can get a gram of fucking heroin for? 10 bucks. I'm going to say less than 350. 10 bucks. For 10 bucks, I could go get a gram of fucking heroin and go snort it. And die. Fucking, you know what I mean? Like, that's. That that could cause someone to OD who's never done heroin before? Yeah, I mean, like, you never. I don't know. You never know, like, what'll make you OD. Like, fucking, some people do coke their whole life and they just take fucking, it's the last bump. (laughs) Like, fucking. Your ticker can't take anymore. Well, I mean, you think if if you've, you know, if you've bought any weed for the past decade or two, right, that's one of the things that hasn't really been uh, succumbed to inflation, right? It it might have actually gone down in price because the market's saturated. Correct. But that's what's going to happen now. Big boy comes in, buys everybody up. They lower the quality. They raise the price. And now a product that you used to be able to get and enjoy is now subject to inflation. Mm-hmm. So it goes up with that when everything else goes up. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. The black market's kicking the shit out of the fucking like these corporate cannabis companies can't understand why their sales are so low. And it's because the dude from down the block is still willing to risk his freedom to go sell fucking an ounce of weed for a hundred dollars. To less sell than you. better weed for a better price. Better, better for but, less. Yeah. The blue light special. <laughs> 
Like I'll tell you, man. Like blue, for, pi- blue pipe special. Blue pipe. <laughs> for for what I can get for you know like like if you just took like you know a thousand dollars versus a thousand dollars in the dispensary, you're talking about like four times the quantity plus fucking at least a fucking tenfold fucking jump in quality oh, yeah. across the board. You know, and then like. You know, there, are, there are people paying $65 for a half gram cartridge. Well, yep. there's also people that might not have the resources to know somebody that would be on that's the fire. Bottom. So the only exposure they have, maybe they didn't even try cannabis well, that's until what they, it became. That's what they count on. They, so that's why if you look users. at the dispensaries, right? If you notice the dispensaries aren't fun and colorful and fucking wavy, they don't represent cannabis culture at all. They're like Apple stores. And the reason for that is because they want to capture the market that knows nothing about this stuff. Cause grandpa doesn't know that this apple fritter was grown like shit outdoor in a shitty greenhouse to him. It's the best shit he ever smoked. Cause the kid behind the counter told him and he sold him his little branded pipe from the dispensary. They try to, they, they make it so that they, they try to capture the older folk. And like, you know, like when you bring in product, I don't want any colors. I want black and white. I want everything very, you know, muted, sterile. Nothing on the walls, right? No psychedelic. Yeah, don't hang up your posters. No no Bob Marley posts on it. Yeah, if you like, if you took down the name of the dispensary, like 90% of the dispensaries I've gone to that are trying to be that level of corporatism, they all look the same. You could literally, you wouldn't know which is which just because the name isn't there. They got the blueprint. They're just following the the blueprint. It's like if you walk into, you know, like a McDonald's or a Wendy's or a Burger King nowadays, now that they're all redoing, if they didn't have the logo, you'd have no idea where you are. Just like some of these cannabis places. It's like going to a really nice, authentic Mexican restaurant, but it's just like Swedish people and there's no Mexican anything everywhere. Wait, I, that's an oxymoron. You said a really nice, authentic Mexican restaurant. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been lucky enough to go to one. <laughs> there's a there place are few. There are few. In like like North like Palm Beach, there's this one place fucking like off the side of the highway. And that place is fucking mm-hmm. and beautiful restaurant too. Like the inside of it looked like something out of like a Western movie. And that's almost case in point right there. What's the the that experience was hole in the wall, right? Mom pa shop. It wasn't a chain. You weren't like, oh, the best fajitas I had were at Chili's, right? Like nobody's ever fucking said that, you know? I want to walk into a dispensary that looks like a goddamn TGI Fridays where there's so much garbage hanging off the wall that I can't tell if this was someone's basement or a dispensary. It's a Ruby Tuesdays, right? Where the salad bar is just a nug bar. Doobie Tuesdays. Doobie Tuesdays. I shouldn't feel like I'm going to the DMV to buy weed. Like when I, when I went to like, so when I went to California for the first time and I actually went to a dispensary, I, I pull up at this one place is the green cross and I'm sitting in this room and there's people and they have like fucking numbers, number five. And then they get pulled into this back room. So I'm like number 10. I'm sitting there and I'm like, you guys have any menu? Just sit down. They'll call you. And there's like a security guard. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, this sucks. And they finally call me in and there's like a few jars of weed and then there's a couple little things to shatter and a little bit of edibles um four pipes maybe like just and then that was it like i'm like dude i have more weed in my house back home like fucking what is this like and so i asked them like how much is an eighth of this so it's 60 dollars i go excuse me and I, I looked at it i go it doesn't even have any frost on it bro like there's no trichomes on this like this is like not even grown right this is that new diet weed and bro. so been through the shaker already i told the poor guy that took me there from the airport i said yo bro i'm like this ain't gonna do i'm like 
what where I go, where's the fucking dispo? And he's like, I don't know, I come here. And I said, All right. And I just looked on my phone and I saw this place, Cannabis on Demand. If it still exists, it's in Torrance, California. The place is fucking amazing. So Cannabis on Demand was the complete other opposite. They had a Mexican door guy who was a security officer that just like has his gun out and he's like walking around with it and shit. And he's like, whoa, what's the password? Fuck you guy, come on in. And I'm like, whoa, this place is awesome. And at the front, it looks like a dentist's office, like waiting area. And there's like some like little stoner girls that are drinking like fucking like uh, syrup. They're drinking like weed syrup inside of Sprite. Yeah, like co-weed. And so they're, they're just sitting there just chugging this shit at the front. They're like, oh, welcome to the dispensary. And I'm like, thanks. And like they grab your ID and everything. And then you, when you went into the actual dispensary room, it was like some dude's bedroom back in the 90s. There's like a bunch of blacklight Wu-Tang posters and shit everywhere and weed posters, naked girls. And then there's just tons of jars of weed. I'm talking like filled with like fucking a quap or two ounces, like a lot of. And they had multiple levels. Like the bottom level was the bullshit. The medium level was good. Top shelf. They had fucking two cases worth of fucking all the different kind of oil and like. And just like, but like loaded up like this place. If you had like fucking 50 grand, you could fucking like buy like, like some damage. Like, and so I went in there with like $2,000 and fucking just went bananas. And the people there just didn't, they weren't fucking condescending like at the other place. Yeah. Well, that's actually a, a phenotype of blah, 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 blah. And it's like, bro, I've been getting stoned for 23 years. I don't need a fucking history lesson. Which shit tastes like bubble gum or blueberry or lemon, whatever fucking flavor I'm into right now. Like, and that's indica or like, you know, like those are the, like, you don't have to fucking give me a fucking lesson on who its parents are and shit. And I walked out of that place, no bullshit, fucking, they threw me in some free shit, they made me one of the sprites, they're like, yeah, just fucking have one, I'm like, awesome, and they had a dab station, and it was like, the fucking bong was all dirty and shit, I'm like, dude, this is awesome, like, this is, this is how buying weed should be like, because this really represents the culture that gave birth to all of this, like, there's been a cannabis culture for thousands, you know, for like, over, like, people have been... Yeah, it doesn't need weed for a, you know centuries. Time. It doesn't need to be remanufactured by some corporate company that can't even call weed weed. And and we don't want to kill another American institution. Like America has a very succinct cannabis culture. When you think about Cheech and Chong, like that's a great example of like the birth of that cannabis culture was goofy, fun loving, like it like this loose fuck. So like, how did you liberals go from Cheech and Chong to like fucking like you know my, my pronouns are are uh, she him and and uh, I, I I am the uh, corporate diversity director of uh, MedMen, so I have to make sure there's five Blacks people at every other dispensary. Otherwise, uh, uh, fucking Kendi Abram fucking that made CRT comes and he beats my feet with reeds from Cheech like, and Chong, you, dude. Like. From Cheech and Chong to corporatizing bongs, these motherfuckers. So, like, you're killing a culture, and you're also ripping off and disrespecting the patients that count on, like, like you know, that's why, like, the heady glass scene doesn't fuck with electronics. You know, the Puffco was, like, the only time I think the heady people were like, yeah, let's, like, get on board. and Because mm-hmm. they, they felt that, like, Roger from Puffco was, like, a good, a good dude. You know, Roger's the owner, the CEO of Puffco. 
Um, and that he that guy does. He loves concentrating. He loves getting stoned. He's a stoner first that made a company that blew up. He's not like an investment banker. Like the guys who made Firefly were a bunch of Apple executives that are like, what if we could manufacture a phone when you, that gets you high so you could rape 15-year-olds? When you say Allegedly. That, <laughs> yeah, when, like the Firefly founded, and Firefly's a vaporizer uh, company, for those of you who don't know. And uh, when their founders say that they had the idea of Burning Man, I stopped listening. Basically, I had a bunch of middle schoolers on us. Some sort you know of leash. Else, you, know what else, you know what else is an idea that was had at Burning Man? Public flashlights. That's not fucking cool. Yeah, that's... Public flashlights and uh, meat popsicles? Meat popsicles. Oh. So... Turd ducking. That's a chicken inside of a turd. Cor- corporate... If you... <laughs> that one took us that that missile hit late yeah fucking cor- corporatism you know like i really wish people could understand that you could be professional but also not be a robot mm-hmm. and i also wish that you people can, you could be more than one thing bro what bro you could what? be more than one thing you could be more once i wear bracelets to determine what pronouns i should be called that day right so if it's blue right i'm he him Mm-hmm. But if it's pink, I'm she, they, or no, she, her. And then if it's yellow, I don't Zimzer. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Zimzers. Identify as a rainbow. Yeah. But corporatism. Corporatism I mean, doesn't help. Like the only useful things from corporatism are fundamentals that you learn from other non corporate businesses, keeping good records. Um, you know, using data to fucking make your decisions. Mm-hmm. Like these aren't things that are exclusive to fucking this corporate culture. Corporate culture is just like um, a symptom of our government. It's just a bunch of bureaucratic roles and stuff that eat up the company's resources to like say that like you have some sort of like function, but most of it's just fluff. Like it, it exists to make money for people who don't actually do the job or well, that's a great way to put it, it right. Profits over people. And yep. by the way, we do have uh, some peril, I think, on FreshlyBased.com that calls out uh, profits over people specifically. Mm-hmm. We do have that apparel, which you can actually go to FreshlyBased.com and get 15% off of that apparel using code FreshForever. That's Fresh, the number four ever. Uh, check out that one. Hey, if you like weed stuff, we got the Freshly Baked collection, some specialty line of T-shirts that came from our stoned ape brains. And, uh, you know, I'm selling out right now to my own company. Sell out. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we all mentioned good points. I think that I come back to is that one, yes, profits over people, but big, big corp like this, they're not in touch with what people actually want. They're you, in touch just with left, what they you, want. You just left a big corporate. Uh, correct. Yeah. To I'm join another name. big corporate. Oh, no, true. no. I'm just, <laughs> um, no, but I mean, when it comes down to... When it comes down to it, you got to be in touch with your consumer, not morph, Mm -hmm. right? Not acquire the base consumer just out of um, convenience, right? You got to be in touch with what uh, the people in your industry want and offer them, uh, you know, that product and that experience. True. Yeah, like you just see the the effects of it everywhere, man. Like it's it's just so funny. (laughs) I bet I bet there's a dispensary offering rainbow weed for Pride Week. Oh, you know they they're pandering to to it's just fucking it's disgusting, man. Like, uh, 
you know, if you're wondering who's paying off the politicians, it's the big corporations. They're 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 one of the uh, nipples that these people fucking leech on that they fuck you over for. Mm-hmm. So just remember that you know when when you're looking for herb, like fucking support the herb man. Go to a fucking support you know, your local black market. Go to a, go to or go to a small dispensary that's still like got some roots. You know. Like ask, are you are you privately owned? Are mm-hmm. you like you know, or are you part of a bigger co- company? Like yeah, if it, chances are, if it's a chain with a lot of locations, all with the same name, it, it's probably if uh, we starve bad corporations of money and resources, they'll eventually die. Like fucking, like the mall died because people stopped going. Like if we starve these places of of funds and stop doing business with them at some point they will become unsustainable and they'll die by their own fucking you know by their own weight makes me think of the south park episode where walmart comes to town yeah and they destroy the heart of walmart but then then the local business turns into the walmart and they're like well stan it's just the way it has to be (laughs) I, i swear the the last time i actually went to a mall and actually bought something has been years Especially living in Florida when it gets hot out, the best thing for the uh, that I find, best use case for the mall I find, is going for a walk. A little AC? A little AC, right? You know, go walk around, little do, do a little people watching. I don't fucking buy spend anything. Spend a little money, feel a little better you know? about the end of the world. Well, there's nowhere to spend money except if you're buying a pretzel in that fucking place anymore. It's like the food court's <laughs> open and then like three stores, like three anchor stores, and then there's nothing. Well, yeah. town like, center mall's definitely open for business, but that's that doesn't count. Yeah, no, Bo- that's Boca doesn't count. It's not a real mall. Boca's not a real place. They also have a Swarovski crystal place in there. They have Louis Bro, they Vuitton. got the fucking they, they, Swarovski I mean, ball waxer. The like container container store. If you need a container for your containers, come to the container container store. It's like they went the store down itself to- is a container. <laughs> they went down to, to Worth Avenue and just cherry picked a few things and dropped it in Boca. And, yeah. Know, <laughs> so, uh, well, I don't have a segue for our next topic from that. Well, we talked about what we do. We talked about cannabis. So, so well, speaking the, of the other thing, I wanted to talk about well, with this actually was you know, and then the the businesses. So there's businesses that have started in this space that started with like all great intentions and with good people, and as they're growing and scaling, instead of trusting their people that helped them get there to learn the skills and to persevere and keep growing the company, they get spooked by you know their own shadow fucking weirdness and they they end up bringing in these fucking corporate dum-dums that were like a vp at fucking staples or chewy or some other place and they end up destroying the company because they don't understand the demo the the fucking culture the market um the end consumer the the b2b customer and so you have all these companies and these brands that come into this space and then they leave the space and oftentimes it's after some fucking corporate numb nuts comes in with all these fucking you know guys because of each and every one of you our synergies are going to combine together to bring this company to a ten dollar minimum stock like fucking like and it's all bullshit it's all bullshit because they don't have a plan they sat at a place that had he had 50 fucking bosses in his fucking like if you're at coca-cola as a vp newsflash you have like 50 bosses like you're you're one of like five thousand vps depending on what part of the country you're in and which soda you sell like it could be down to like fucking well he's the uh, president of sprite <laughs> i mean that they're, they're trying to take a uh a blueprint that works somewhere else in in some cases an entirely different industry and just imprint it on on the, the com- new company that they're at you know it's like trying to take a 
a round peg and put it through a triangle hole, right? It, it's not going to work. You got the right tool for the right job, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this the, the corporatism thing, it hurts on every level. That's why, like, I'm saying, like, fucking, you know, people who who come out like, like fucking unless they're, they're able to really balance like, you know, business and also being a human, which is seems rare from the people that I met. Like, you know, there, nothing good comes of fucking injecting corporate bureaucratic fucking assholes into something as awesome as cannabis and to the cannabis space in the culture. These people didn't care about us when we were getting arrested for this fucking shit and fighting for it. And now that we're making were, money on it, they want to the fucking take the money away from the people who fucking built the fucking table in the house for them to sit in and have dinner. So sincerely to all of you corporate fat cats in the weed industry, my name is Joey DiStefano, and I would like to just pull my nuts out right now scrape them across the microphone thusly and ask you to suck on them so to segue into our next part you know sometimes you say and do things that you're like why did i do that and it's because you get triggered by a great song and i think great songs are great things to listen to when you're stoned and pissed off about corporate fat cats so as I attempted to segue into the last topic before going into the topic before smooth it. Smooth as sandpaper. <laughs> I mean, like, smooth as a cat's tongue on my beehole. So. That's. I thought you were going to say a illegal. cat's dick because cat's dicks have um, uh, thorns on them because when they pull out, the pain causes the female to ovulate. That's your that's your life pro tip of the day by Be Frank, which we forgot to do at the beginning, or I did. So damn, I feel enlightened for the people in Alabama and the uh, the Rust Belt. We just want to let you know that punching your wife or girlfriend in the vagina after sex will not help her ovulate. Oh. This is a unique thing to cats, so please do not manhandle your lover in an attempt to make them ovulate. So. Our favorite songs to listen to while we're baked. You know, we always like to talk about stoner shit on the show. Um, you know, I'm sorry, people on the right-hand side, you're going to have to get used to people who like things that aren't like your cup of tea. Being You da- can like down- two things? Yeah, like... You can be... You can agree with two people that have things. different views? So some of you, like, think that weed makes you retarded or, like, a piece of shit... Um, you know, if you're already a retarded piece of shit, it'll exacerbate that and make it more prevalent in your personality and your actions. But for other people, um, you know, it's, it's just fine and dandy. Go ahead and plus one that guys. So music is one of those things that sober fucking drunk, like, like, like there's, there's music for different moods. When Mm -hmm. I think about my favorite albums to listen to when I'm stoned, I mean, there's so many like fresh picks of the day. I might need you guys to fucking fill me in on like what you like. Cause I I know you, I know you like, uh, I know you like, what was it? Trojan records. Oh yeah. The, the reggae. Yeah. I know you like to put that on sometimes. Oh, uh, I don't know. You like a lot of stuff that I could say, but it's like, I don't know. We're always well, stoked. When I think of an album, when I think of an album, I'm thinking of one band, not a compilation. Yeah, true. And I'm thinking of like a journey, right? Like, so like, you know, I would like say moving like, pictures from Rush. You could probably put on 
Yeah, like that's a great album. I would say even say like Caress the Sealer, like uh, Twenty One yeah. Twelve. Yeah, like those are like you know. But Stone, like I like listening to that when I'm stoned. But I'm thinking like specifically like when I'm baked out of my mind and I want to like exacerbate that fucking feeling of mm-hmm. like wah wah wah. Oh, you know what? I do have my favorite album, and this is one that if anyone can guess like or has ever heard of it, I'll be fucking shocked. But the guy's name is Mort Garrison, I think his name is, or or Mort Garson. And it's called Plantasia. And it's... I know the album. A synthesizer album that this dude made in the 70s specifically for growing weed. And it came with growing instructions and all this shit. And when you listen to the album, it's 36 minutes long. It's a really quick listen. You can hear the fucking architecture of all Japanese RPG music for the next fucking 40 years. The first song sounds like starting like a Final Fantasy game or Dragon's uh, like like it's fucking crazy. Then the second song sounds like you're in a village and um like kind of like meeting people and stuff and like it's like very whimsical and shit. The third song sounds like you stopped in at the shop or the inn and you're buying things. It's got a very like taverny kind of It's it's fucking weird and like there's a couple songs that sound like battles. One sounds like a generic battle, but they, he literally made this for with frequencies using he used um, keyboards, big synthesizer boards, and um, uh, what is that thing called? Theremin. Uh, yeah, theremin. Theremin. And fucking he. This album is just fucking. When you're high and you close your eyes and like listen to it like through like good speakers or like a mm-hmm. sound bar. Like, you'll actually feel the fucking music, like, ripple through you. And it's, like, one of those things where, like, other albums, maybe the lyrics or or certain things, like, are evoking emotions. This is, like, a purely visceral thing because there's no words. Like, so it's where, it's, like, the, the tone oh, of the like, music is actually all taking, instrumental. All instrumental. And all, and all synth, too, so there's no real drums. So it's, okay. it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing. I might even pop it on when we, uh. We conclude and stuff here, but uh, that's that's, a, that's my number one. That's a great call out. I mean, there there are plenty of people that I know who will judge a show. I mean, even animes by their intro, right? And a lot of, you won't even watch the first episode, but you walk watch a kick ass intro, right? It has that feel that that epic battle, you know that that crescendo, right? That build. You know, you, you're already excited to, to get into it. I think that's a great call out. Um, and. The other thing I want to say is I think we have a great um, differing perspectives as to because what you just called out was, called out was you know a visceral experience to listening to something, whereas sometimes when the, some of the albums I like to enjoy are maybe more nostalgic, right? Because they bring me back to another time that I was enjoying it or mm. learning something new and not experiencing you know something in a different light. Right. So I think one of the ones that um, I got a couple, but one of the ones that jumped out for me was. Um, uh, Metallica's Black Album, because that's definitely one you could listen to start to finish and, you know, experience a journey. And uh, one of my one of my favorite songs from, I mean, Metallica's whole discography, discography is of Wolf and Man. Um, that's on the Black Album that, that has hit me really, really hard, you know, listen to it at certain times. So um, that's kind of one I wanted to, to call out and kind of bridge what what you brought up with with one of my picks? Nice. Yeah, I listened to that album a lot too when I was younger. I think my favorite song on that one was a song called "Don't Tread on Me," and not not because of the Gatson flag tying, but literally don't that song like hey, "Don't Tread on Me." Like it had like a very cool like uh, it was like battery light. Yeah, 
I mean that that would you know I'm when really you bad with Metallica songs I didn't yeah. you know, they weren't really part of my discography when you look Got at it. which is um, funny because I listen to a lot of metal when you look at their whole discography right it's kind of hard to pick a, a specific album right like what you just brought up uh, Battery that that was a great a great song as well and that was on um, was it Ride the Lightning. Uh, we'd have to do a quick uh, consult the Googles. But, yeah, I think um, Battery was on Ride the Lightning, yeah. or um, no, it was Ride the Lightning. I think, or Pastor of Muppets. It, of I Muppets. think it was Pastor of Muppets. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's the one. Definitely, <laughs> definitely P O M. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to to albums, I've listened. I like to listen to when I'm stoned. I got two on uh, my notes here. I'm trying to think of a couple others I could probably pull off, but. One is um, one's one I like to listen to because partly because the visualizer. It's an album by an art, an electronic artist named Flume, and I've listened to him for a long time. Now that I think about it, but he has like he makes conceptual electronic where it's like I don't really think you could put a lot of his songs on in a club necessarily. He does have some stuff you could, but like it's not like as danceable, kind of conceptual. He has a, a mixtape he made called Hi, This Is Flume, and he made a whole visualizer for it where it's like, you feel like you're on acid watching it. There's just so many, like, warped visuals and things going on, but it's not overbearing, and the, the soundtrack goes with it. It's interesting. So, I mean, that's very interesting. We, ha- we had a visceral call-out, we had a nostalgic call-out, and then we have a visualization yeah. call-out. That, that's, that's very interesting to me where you can kind of – influence how you experience music Mm -hmm. by the visual that's accompanying it right i mean regardless of you know any kind of um drug you might be on right or any type of influencer that way right even a visual aid to an you know an audio experience i i think that's definitely interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's super cool when you watch it with the visualizer lots of like there's this really crazy uh part where like Things are con- like you're zoom. It's like constantly one part of it. You're zooming into this picture just kind of forever, and it's con- just making new stuff as it zooms in, like a kaleidoscope. Yeah, pretty, essentially, okay. like a zooming Almost. kaleidoscope. We'll we'll have to drop a link to that in it, the show it's notes. It's cool. You know, it's not it's everyone's uh, flavor because they may not like the music, but the visualizer is still pretty awesome. Yeah, I've seen that one. It's the picture keeps changing and morphing, and yeah, there's a whole. I mean, every and every song changes the visualizer. You know, it's not just one continuous yeah. thing. Yeah. It's um, back. To, almost goes back to a what was it? Windows Media Player had a visualizer component. Yeah, yeah. As soon as that was, uh, you know, discovered, that was the thing to yeah throw on the computer screen and jam out with. Someone. Like one of the songs, it, ch- it shifts into a visualizer of you're you're just in a car driving, and the roads kind of swaying. It's almost like kind of like you're drunk driving a little bit. Everything's swaying and blurry, and you're driving. It's really interesting. Um, drive sober. Yeah, please drive sober or get pulled over. <laughs> and then uh, another album I like is uh, I got to be really in like the stoned mindset and usually just like chilling. Uh, it's called the Rainbow Goblins by a Japanese guitarist named Masayoshi Takanaka. So is this like a beanbag chair, like love sack pillow kind of? Like, yeah, like, like, you're just yeah. in it. You're not moving for an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's a very positive sounding album. It's like a it's like a happy album. It's apparently based on a. I never knew this, but it was apparently based on a book by Ulderico called The Rainbow Goblins, published in 1977, a children's book about seven colored goblins who steal, who try to steal the rainbow from Earth, and the the rainbow vows to never return to Earth because it's dangerous. Whoa! So all the light from their That's world crazy. goes away. All the 
All the goblins love to eat the colors of the light. So they try to steal the rainbow to eat all the light, and then the, their world loses color. That's odd. This sounds like that could be turned into like a movie or a series. It, you and it probably could, could. That sounds awesome. But yeah, and so the album is like a musical interpretation of the book, which I never knew the book existed. So yeah, that's the album's great. That's dope. It's like uh, mid '80s, like guitar synth, like you know, jazz fusion from Japan. Mm. Really, no lyrics. Like any lyrics are just there for more of an instrumental effect than they are for like meaning. Yeah, they're more there for the musical aspects. Mm-hmm. And each each song starts with a narration. That says the part of, I guess it makes sense now. It starts with a narration of describing what's going to happen in the song, what it's interpreting. Makes sense. That, cool. sound, that sounds really well done, right? They give you the intro and they kind of lead you in. It's kind of a thought journey, right? Mm-hmm. That they're kind of leading you through. That's, that's really cool. That's awesome. It's fun. And he's a good guitarist. I mean, B. Frank, you said you had a couple more that were on your list, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still in the, in the nostalgia zone. Um, uh, <laughs> I always go back. You guys have these very intellectual albums, right, that you're calling out where I'm sitting here and I'm like, I could just throw on, like, Dr. Dre, you know, and just oh, just, too. just head bump to that, too. I mean, it, it's up there with one of kind I would say maybe a go-to, right? Maybe not, like, an all-time favorite, right? But kind of like a, a go-to, something some easy to listen to, bob with. A lot of people know, right, it's been out 20 years, you know, um, and you can kind of bob with that. Um, and of course, I mean, it's probably even just worth an honorable mention. I mean, regardless of how you feel about about Pink Floyd, but I mean, I think there's a couple honorable mentions there where you can really just experience, uh, you know, audio, you know, by listening, uh, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, you know, kind yeah. of throw out there, right? Any of those are really chill, and uh, you can kind of get deep into, mm-hmm. right? Oh man, there's so much music. <laughs> So much, yeah. That's why it's hard, right? Another great Mm. album. Oh, I'm just gonna shout out this album, "The Odyssey" by Symphony X. is a great album. Yeah, it's a really great album. Fucking rocks. I yeah. I'd say there's like two more that like I like their go tos when I'm baked. Um, DJ Shadow introducing. That's a great album. 1996 that came out. I was in sixth grade, and the song Mm. "Midnight in a Perfect World." I mean, that was the smoking song. That actually might be the song that I put on as soon as this is done. Rip a fat <laughs> fucking dab. Um, but that album is a journey. And it's short, sweet, and DJ Shadow is really ahead of his time. Oh, yes. With his samples and the, the aesthetic. Like, he almost invented Vaporwave without, like, in, like or, like, aesthetic kind of vibes before that was even a thought. Yeah, I don't even know what... I mean, Windows 95 came out the year before that album, and he already was, like, tapping into that fucking, like, it's like, it already sounded nostalgic then, and now it has, like, even new meaning to me. Um, another album is Osamu Kitajima, um, who's a multi-instrumentalist uh, Japanese artist. He has an album called Masterless Samurai. Mm-hmm. If you ever wanted to hear something that sounded like instrumental Jethro Tull, Meets like fucking traditional Japanese like flute and kotlin fucking music. I mean it 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 and it really does invoke like like fucking like that that old school like Japanese fighting like you know like those old the uh, the fighting movies and shit like the martial arts movies. It invokes those vibes, but not the cheesy 
like Chinese Bruce Lee like exploit with the shitty like fucking like 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 rock guitar. This is like legit like old school Japanese instruments used in the context of doing something that's meeting American like jazz rock. So what are some of those instruments that that we could see? So like a kodalin, a shemzin, which is like a banjo. That's like their version of a banjo. That the three string. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then there's um, you know the 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 wood flute. Like they have like a the, okay, the shit like that. So like you know a lot of the sounds that you hear in like Naruto or some of the anime music, it's like um like in Naruto, like fuck it, that's a Kotalin doing that that solo there. Does he kind of do like the multi-panel where you can see him playing the instruments? No, or? this this album came out in like 1973. Oh, okay, so this like, isn't something recent. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, you. no, a lot of the stuff that I listen to is probably not going to be recent. Okay. I was just say like, you know, metal is probably where I like the more recent stuff better than older stuff. Okay. Um, Black Dahlia Murder, rest in peace, Trevor. Um, I, they're, they're my favorite death metal band. Like death is like my favorite for the musicality and what Chuck Schulner brought to that genre. But Black Dahlia Murder, I love them because Chuck took death so seriously, and so did the guys in the band. And he had like a rotating door because he was such a snob about the. And Black Dahlia Murder is a stoner band. Like they're just a bunch of dudes that get stoned and write death metal songs. Um, their album Ever Black is just one of the most fun albums to listen to from front to back because it has the vibe of a live show. Like, a lot of times when you go see a live band, they're mixing songs from different albums, and that gives the show its... And, like, you know, you want to hear the old favorites and stuff like that. The band wants to push their new songs. But very rarely does... Uh, album sound like a set like the magical mystery tour by the Beatles sounds mm-hmm. like a musical set it even ends you know going back to it's Sergeant Pepper's Lone. oh no Sergeant Pepper Sergeant yeah. Pepper's yeah. Lonely Hearts Club band they end with that and begin with that right so like and it has like the the pacing of like a live show that ever black has that fucking vibe where it has the same pacing that you like expect from like a set and it made it really like you know I love when I hear a band and I can feel the live vibe. Like electronic music, you don't get that with. No. But when I hear a band and they sound overproduced playing rock or metal, mm-hmm. um, I don't like that. I like when it has that live vibe and you can really visualize and, and like sense that like energy of a live performance, not yeah. dudes sitting in the... And they did a good job yeah. of capturing that, even though they did record it multi-track and shit. But great album and... Uh, Great singer, so rest in peace, dude. Yeah, I mean, going back to Metallica, which is one of my favorite bands you brought up live, right? S and M was one of the was one of their top albums too, with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. Oh yeah, that's that's very very well done. It's funny. There's an SM two as well, but I'd recommend the 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 OG. It's funny you mentioned a live orchestra because I was gonna say one more album that's really cool when you're stoned is a guy named Wax Taylor. He's a French DJ. Very much influenced by DJ Shadow. A couple of his albums, you're like, damn, like this is very influenced by him. But he has an album called Phonovisions that he made with a symphonic orchestra, and it's so cool because it's his songs. Nice. And his songs aren't like as, he has like a lot. He has a lot of songs that do have live instrumentation, and like he has songs with De La Soul and stuff. But they do a whole album live with an orchestra, and it's so cool. Like the sounds are so rich. There's so much going on. Yeah, that's um. That's about that's all a, I got for It's the, a very sonically rich album. That's what I've got for uh, that. <laughs> that's awesome. And, like, you know, 
one of the beauties of music is as you continue to find, you're like, tonight I might listen to one of the albums that I haven't heard of that the guys are listening to, and that might become one of my new favorites. So, like, as you, ex- you know, expose yourself to more music, um, you know, things will come in and out of, you know, the, the disc man of your mind. So, mm-hmm. your, your, your own inner playlist. So, speaking of the mind. I mean, yeah. Speaking of the mind, indeed, you know, I, I know Natural we're projection, mind control. <laughs> you know, we're we're running one fifteen in here because uh, we came in here fucking dedicated mm-hmm. to not being a complete shit show like the last podcast. Ah, it was still fun. It was a lot of fun, but I could definitely tell you, I was uh, three sheets to the wind after those fucking seven yeah, it grams there. of joints that we blew through. In I was there an I hour wasn't there. Yeah, I was there physically and talking, but the spirit was long gone. Um, so MK ultra, you know, we, we like to always talk about things that are speculative, but one of these things that, you know, it's actually like proven that MK ultra is a real thing that the CIA, um, you know, engage and engages in and with all of the false flags and the shootings and all of the fucking weird shit that's going on. Um, that obviously is orchestrated in some major way. You wonder like what would compel somebody to do these things. And MK ultra gives you some insight into how the government grooms behaviors in people to do things that are far outside of what they would normally do. Um, I don't know what MK ultra is. It's a declassified mind control ex- series of experiments and tests and uh, reports that, declassified all you can look them all up you, i mean i'm sure most of you listening probably already know this but it was all about mind control and there were so many different facets of the experiments it's just insane giving drugs to people brainwashing them torturing them inducing mental states using uh electroshocks hypnosis sensory deprivation isolation verbal and sexual abuse all government funded by our well not our tax money now, but at the time, our tax money. A lot of that sounds like something I would have to go to a place and pay for to get the experience. <laughs> government will, hey, the government will do it for free. Well, you still pay for it, actually. Yeah. You just don't get the benefits. So, you know, MK Ultra, like, I don't think you're going to get out of this group anyone who's going to be able to break down every experiment yeah, and everything. What I, what I think we'll get out of, like, just talking about the subject. Oh, and it wasn't just on Americans. We also experimented on Canadians. Interesting. Anybody get your hands on. The, the government is not this infallible thing that has your best interest at heart. And that's, that's I think, the thing that, that we, you know, the, the government actively works against the American people. And... We see like with Peter Navarro getting arrested while Sussman walks free. Um, you know, both the shooter from Buffalo um, and the Uvalde shooter were in the same Discord channel and a man named Ar- like Arturo reached out to both of them and basically groomed them into what they were doing. They're finding evidence through, you know, going through mm-hmm. their computer histories and they were both in the same Discord and the same man was like basically telling them, you know, so... You know, when we, when you hear people talking about conspiracy theories or like these elaborate government fucking, you know, programs or plans or like, you know, like 9-11 was an inside job, like it's not that preposterous. And I think that's something that, you know, 
has to we have to fucking come face to face with that the, the government the the country and your friends and your family and the land and the people is not the government and the government does a lot of sick crazy shit and they do it with your hard-earned tax dollars that they also in my opinion are fucking stealing from you because mm-hmm. federal income tax is supposed to be temporary yeah i mean on on the uvaldi thing and granted i don't watch mainstream media but you know you do hear in passing and chatting with people right it, it looks like there's been 20 incidents of of shootings since uvaldi right but how how come those aren't either televised or talked about or shared as much right is there is there a certain threshold like okay x number of people have to have been killed right or somebody has to have been injured that's associated with x y or z you know important person for us to push it up the ladder right you know i'm looking through a quick list there right well, not no many it's since uvaldi right 20 it, it says here 22 people were unfortunately you know perished in, in uvaldi and none of those since then have have broken the teens so it, it what's the what's the criteria for when we start to talk about well, this you here, know? here's another thing too like you know they talk about guns and this and that and, the, and and homicide rates especially the rate of suicide the amount of deaths from suicide in this country for both adults and children is higher than the than the cause of death being homicide and guess There's when more that people started. committing suicide than getting killed by other people and guess when that line started to increase covid yep mm-hmm. end of, end of 2019 to today you see, obviously, you know, any suicide and, and death is, you know, unbearable to the family and friends and loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, to see the suicide rate start to go up as a direct correlation, in my in, in my opinion, Depopulation. To, to people being confined, to being inside, right? Subject to all the other things that, all the other restrictions that um, the government imposed on us because of COVID, Mm-hmm. And seeing a, a stat like that rise, right? How come that is not something that's being more talked about, right? Instead of sending money to Ukraine like we are, why are we not focusing at home on, you know, we already talked about the, the veterans, right? You know, mental health in this country, right? And that leads to a lot of the, the shootings that we see, right? Mental health instability mm-hmm. and and not being able to get the right help from from drug abuse, you know? Or them, both of those being correlated in one way or another. With the same person. Freaking, you know, and you mentioned COVID too. It's like for anyone who thinks that a government wouldn't just bring disease on its citizens, they've been doing that for as, at least as far as we, you know, we know for a long time, but at least since the 1950 with Operation Sea Spray, they sprayed a bunch of two different types of bacteria into the Bay of San Francisco and let it wash into the water system and all throughout the, the city of San Francisco so they could measure the effects of a simulated bio attack on the United States people. But they got real people sick and people died from it. And they were just like, well, that's what would have happened. Yep, we're collecting data. <laughs> I mean, they even made, made a, created a game. Well, I, don't, I don't know who they is right now, who the publisher is. But there was even a game created called Contagion, right? Mm-hmm. Where yep. you can actually create and monitor your own mass extinction of the planet, right? And, <laughs> you know, how it's going to be controlled, how it's not. You know, it's spread, who it affects, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's a simulation of how to do what you just said, right? Yeah, like the the I think the original is like Lyme disease. So like a lot of people don't know like 
in the medical community, the CDC says Lyme disease doesn't exist. But then there's a big portion of the medical community that's like, no, it definitely exists. It's caused by a bacterium called Borrelia burgdorferi. Um, it's you know passed on from deer ticks that you know bite people and shit like that. The first case of it was in Connecticut in 1975. Um, so a lot of you know people were like, where the fuck did this come from? You know, the government had this place called Plum Island, right, which is right off the coast. And Plum Island had a biological testing facility named the Plum Island Animal uh, Disease Center, which was not even 10 miles from, you know, where the first place was. And what were they researching there? Ticks. There was a lab researching ticks. And, of course, they covered the research facility as studying diseases for animals. But nonetheless, you can see the correlation, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Plum Island recruited Nazi Eric Traub. Um, this man's very interesting because he worked directly under Hitler, and in all honesty, he would have stood trial at Nuremberg for the horrible, brutal acts he committed. But he was brought to the U.S. Uh, US during pro- uh, Project Paperclip. Um, so Paperclip was when they brought over Nazis to help create the CIA and some other you know institutions in America. Um, you know, but two thousand Nazis out of Germany became part of the OSS and the CIA and, you know, got raised to levels of directors and beyond, um, you know, and are in service of American intelligence. So his big thing was biological weapons. He was basically the industry director. His expertise was was in infecting ticks and mosquitoes with biological germs that they were working on this during World Wars One and Two. So... You know, it said that they let the creatures roam the island and see, like, you know, what they would do as far as birds and stuff like that. Be free. Well, the ticks, they thought, couldn't get off the island because they're ticks. How do they swim? Well, on other animals that they fucking bit, they came across. And so now they're across. So the reason why the CDC will not say that this exists, because then the government's, you know, liable. These are the dumbest scientists I've ever heard of. So this content is directly from the, the website of Plum Island. We work to protect farm animals, farmers, ranchers, and the nation's farm economy and export markets and your food supply. So very interesting. We're going through food supply shit. And, you know, like, so um, really when they uncovered what this place was about, it was about biological testing on animals and seeing if they can infect them with these fucking spirochetes. So with Lyme, they basically found a way that they can get uh, a creature in your body that you can't kill by by normal means because it actually burrows into your bones and it, like, eats your bones and your cells and shit and deforms them, and it'll make clumps of themselves and turn into cysts, like... It, this shit fucking debilitates people and it eats your nerves. So that's why, like, people who have uh, Lyme disease have, like, nerve chronic problems. nerve problems and shit like that. There's a, the world's number two disc golf player has Lyme disease. So, you know, these, these people ended up packing up the island and they moved to Kansas. So if you think about that, moving to Kansas, there's nothing in Kansas, right? So it, well, the scientists were like, well, the people in Kansas can't get out of Kansas, so the ticks will stay here. So, you know, like, talk about, like, like so like they packed up shop, they moved to the middle of fucking nowhere, and they raised the whole facility. So now there's no evidence, no proof, like, you know, and they wrote the history, right? They They write their records, so... 
but that's that's like the or and and you have a community of doctors literally fighting the CDC. We saw it with COVID too. You know, like fucking like no, this is a real fucking problem. No, it's not. And then like the reverse, COVID's really not a big problem. Why are you doing this shit? Yes, it is. Everyone needs to fucking mm-hmm. get five shots and fucking you know like and get a blood clot and fall over and die. Like this is the the government does not have your best interests in hand. And so when you think about like the shootings and like all this other shit, like people in high positions in science and in our government and in our intelligence agencies, they're they're actually were psychological, biological terrorists from the Nazi regimes. And fucking Nazis. when people like say they, that like, oh, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist or these things can't be true. Like. Quote Kurt Angle. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's damn true. Like it. You can't be so naive. Like. It's that's that's some, one of the most painful things about being aware of this stuff is people think you're fucking nuts for actually like doing more research than whatever the TV told you, and it's like TV didn't say that the fucking you might be crazy. They only it's just the headlines. Oh, I saw that goes back to what I said about the doom scrolling, right? Right. The seven second attention spans. You only catch the headlines, and that's what you regurgitate to other people, and then that's what everybody agrees on. Right. And that's not the whole story. Well, in, you know in what? A, in any, any, any scenario, that's you not know the what? story. Those people are right. We are nuts because they'd be nuts too if they knew what the fuck was going on. But they don't. I'd be going fucking, oh, I am going nuts. Yeah. So. They're right for the wrong reasons. So here's like a mainstream article. So like. This is 10 real victims of the CIA's MK Ultra program. And they actually go through. So like um, Ken Kessie, who was the author of One Flew's Over the Cuckoo Nest. Um, he was first exposed to LSD and other stuff as part of MK Ultra. He was a gradu- uh, graduate student from Stanford University, and he became involved by accident. A psychologist at the college signed him up for the project. <laughs> um, <laughs> unwillingly. Thanks. Please give me LSD unwillingly. Where do I sign up? And despite Allen Gin- despite Allen Ginsberg's insistence telling Kelsey that like uh, Kelsey that these people were the, it's the CIA, he didn't believe them. And then he found out that you know, he he fucking kind of take it for a ride. Dude, Whitey Bulger. <laughs> oh, there it is. So, um full circle. wow, really full circle. So he described in his notebook horrible LSD experiences with thoughts of suicide and deep depression. Uh, he was so deeply negatively affected by the project that he compared the program to something that would be made by Joseph Mengele, the Nazi doctor responsible for the horrific human experimentation. Shit. That can, uh, Double full circle. Robert Hunter, who is a lyricist, longtime collaborator with the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, a really close friend of Jerry Garcia. Um, and he had a very different experience from Bulger. I and volunteered he, for the program. <laughs> yeah, he said he couldn't figure out why they were paying him. Oh. Yeah, so he said that when he started, like, whatever they gave him made him feel like he was part of a secret club of one. Oh, the Grateful Dead, part of MK Ultra. They could have. Yo, like, we're at Fibonacci circle level yeah, right now here. Now it's spiraling. Just, <laughs> but, like, there's, there's 
fucking people like you can you can look this stuff up like use like you know brave browser a number one duck duck go is asshole but not as bad as google but like you can like look up you know these these are just like surface web stories yeah of, of people who like were part of this um so you know well, well, I don't think we're going to be able to delve into like what the expert, like we're not, we're not experts on this, but it's just, you can't trust your government. The government's supposed to be fearful of the people, not the other way around. And when you look at how they, they use human beings as guinea pigs and they kill people with Operation Seaspray, like they, they don't give a fuck about you. So if you think just installing Trump and some other people is going to cure the bigger endemic problem of like all the monsters out there, these sociopaths that like, like, no matter who's in the white house, you'll never kill greed or like the evil in men's hearts. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is not a battle that like, you know, once we get somebody in office that we like, everything goes away. This is the, an, an eternal struggle between good and evil that will always go on as long as people can be corruptible and, and choose their own, you know, greed over, you know, the sanctity of like human life and safety and shit. Like we've seen, We've seen the medical community fucking turn a blind eye to very real fucking side effects from, you know, medicines and vaccines and stuff at the, you know, the sake of profiting at the, you know, people's health. We've seen, you know, the government like 9-11 building seven fell. How did that happen? Nothing hit it. Like, and that happened to be where the FBI housed a lot of documents that were about to be declassed that didn't have to be declassed. It's what buildings do. So, you know, the, the government's not looking out for you. And even if like your dudes in like fucking that doesn't make all the difference, it's, um, you know, this is something we're always going to have to deal with because fucking people are fucking crazy and evil. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see it on the small scale with like small petty crimes and then like tyrannical bosses and companies and stuff like that. And then you see it on a large scale with people like fucking, uh, Zelensky, you know, like all these political players and stuff. Um, so, so just don't take for, don't, don't think that just because it's hard to conceive because you don't think like that, that it's not possible. Like cannibalism is a hard thing for me to conceive because I can never imagine eating a person, but, but people have done it happen and probably, you know, is happening in some places. Oh, not even probably. That's actually, so I, I need to just touch on this real quick. All right. Shanna and I, like one day we were hanging Closing out final thoughts and I, and I just said, I go, I wonder if the reason why like all the religions said not to eat pork is because pork tastes like people. Hmm. We looked it up. And it's 100% the reason. And a cannibal from Germany on TV, like, in the 1990s said, Well, the human being tastes a lot like pork. Very good pork. And, like, he went into this whole thing about, like, how, you know, it's the average person would never know the difference between eating a human chop mm -hmm. or a pork chop. And... The Bible didn't want people, so in the Bible, they didn't want people to get the taste of that, like, so they say it's the bottom feeder thing. That's partially it. Jesus supposedly cast demons out of men into pigs. And because it, like, it's so, like, fucking, like, there's all these fucking weird things. So it's, like, I've basically talked myself now out of eating pork by, like, going through that, like, and it's one of those things, though, like, where, you know, my intuition caused me to, to research. And then through researching, we found out that there's some validity to that thought. So like, 
when you hear somebody bring up a conspiracy theory or or something that's going on, I wouldn't say believe them, but do some research. Yeah, don't just discount them. Figure it out for yourself. You know, um, you may find that even if you don't support all of it, you do support some of it. Yeah, and you bring. I mean. It, I, I think to your point, I might even start eating pork more so that if there ever comes a time, I'm already accustomed <laughs> yeah, I'm to the used taste. To, you're used to it. When the end times come, I'll I be mean, ready. I'll have no problem, like, if that's the case. You know what I mean? But, like, fucking, but for real, though, it's like. Joey, you're like Wagyu at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm the meat's a, been massaged. And yeah, we got a massage. <laughs> yeah, I wish my meat's been massaged. Fucking, my, my fucking. I've had, I've had. No massages in my life. I went to a chiropractor once, That's it, and the yeah. guy was like, "Dude, your muscles are like bridge cables." I'm like, "Get off of me!" <laughs> it, was, it was bad, but like, fucking yeah. research and dig into things. Like, you never know what you'll find. And like, look, there's so much like you know disinformation, all this shit. Fact checkers. You have to use your intuition. You have to, you have to start to be your own leader in this thing. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I don't want anybody to listen to me and take everything I say as gospel. You know, I, I want I want people to to figure out shit for themselves. You know, the things that I know are true, I can go back to and fucking point you in the direction. I might get frustrated with you if you're like taking a stance like that's demonstrably fucking like you know on an objective level wrong. But you know, don't discount something because it sounds fucking crazy. Because a lot of this shit's crazy. Like fucking a lot of what's really like causing the the tides to go in and out with the political situation and everything um the food shortages like this is all orchestrated well i mean what do we say it's it's oftentimes that what actually is real is kind of more difficult to you know understand than the the fiction truth right? is stranger than yeah. fiction yeah yeah that's much more eloquent yeah. than <laughs> and, but it's it's very true so like don't discount that stuff like you know, we got into a fight with YouTube and they gave us a strike because they said we're misinformation. We said, look, we say it in our show all the time. We are not a news program. We are not an educational program. We're, we're some people that are just, we're just Americans using our free speech to talk. We got we're having a, a discussion. We yeah. got a, a COVID warning on our Instagram video because I used a clip from a news program about a guy who was getting a vaccine payout in Canada. Yep. That was from the government, from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, like yeah. their NBC. And Instagram is saying false when it was their mainstream reporting. Yeah. And, and talking about how, you know, we have differing opinions, right? Our podcast, right? If you're listening, you know, take take it, you know, for what it's worth and do your own research, right? When you talk with your friends and family members and loved ones, right? Take their opinions for what it's worth and research it. Have an actual discussion. And that kind of actually brings me to my, my real life pro tip for today is treat other people how you'd want to be treated, right? And, and one yeah, of the man. call outs now is a lot of us who have been working from home or doing whatever people have been ordering a lot, right? They're ordering a lot of food, right? It takes what five seconds to drop in the comments box, you know, Hey, thanks for, you know, making that delivery out to me today. You know, say something nice to these, uh, service, the people that are working in the service industry, bringing you your damn food so you can sit on your ass and eat, right? Say something nice, right? That that's it. Just be a decent human being. 
Unless they're a Biden voter, then you can say this is what you get. Well, I don't know if they show you that. <laughs> if they show you that on the, on the Uber Eats app, I can't see in their profile who their political what? affiliation is. It says is. on the bottom, why do you deliver for Uber? And says, I voted for Biden, lost oh, my job. Yeah, I was going to say probably 95% of the Uber drivers can't vote. Well, uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, they probably can vote if it's in a Democratic district. Well, no, they I vote mean, and they don't know it. We just, we just gave Uber their next feature is they're just going to implement a social score on their app. So you have a rating and well, then you actually, have a social score. The drivers are able to rate uh, separate. Yeah, you don't Uber see the drivers do can give ratings to passengers. No, yep. you can see what your rating is. You can't see who gave it to you, though. <laughs> your rating is ass muncher. But you see what your overall rating is. But Yeah, and don't get too mad at us, Uber, because then they're going to start Uber Mule. <laughs> Got some votes you need to drive around? There you go, Dinesh. We plugged your fucking stupid movie. <laughs> Put it on Pirate Bay. <laughs> Here's an idea. Want to give our plugs while you're at it? Absolutely. So, everybody, if you're enjoying this content and you like hanging out with us, um, go visit www.freshlybased.com. That is the home of our content, memes, and most importantly, our clothing and merch line. Mm-hmm. Um, every one of our designs is something that we cooked up in the kitchen, except for the ones that we objectively stole from other places. And we are fucking shameless about those, but it's all about getting a conversation started, having fun. And look, man, if you could piss off a liberal or a change of mind, change someone's heart, it's going to be a good thing. So, um, you know, definitely go check out. We don't do a Patreon. We don't ask for donos and shit like that. If you're going to support this channel, get something for it. We, we believe in equivalent exchange. Um, you know, so that's something to do. Follow us on Instagram. Um, that is at Freshly Based Official. And then we also have our backup Freshly underscore based underscore podcast. So that is the main and the backup. We also have us on Rumble, YouTube, Gab. We are at Freshly Based Official or Freshly Baked Official. Who fucking knows? Gab is going to be short lived. I think we're going to move over to Truth Social very soon. Um, you know, but Rumble is a great place to check us out. We're also on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, all these other podcasting places, um, RSS. So wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can check this out. If there's a place where you'd like to see us, but you don't see us yet, let us know in our DMs. You could also email info at freshlybased.com and we'll be happy to <clears throat> listen to whatever ideas you got if you're an artist and you want to collab with us and you want to send us some artwork and have it get on a shirt we're open to people's designs and stuff like that and yeah we're not going to take your design we'll work out a deal with you so if you're a patriot that makes awesome art and you would like to try to sell some shirts you can get in touch with us as well. We also want to give one last big shout out to all of our favorite content creators. Um, we're talking about Salty Cracker. You can check us out on the business directory. Big ups to um, Andy over there at um, you know the Salty team. Um, he's the owner of Rogue Digital. So if you're looking for website designs and stuff like that, that guy's great. Rogue Digital. We have uh, Flawedzilla, who's been repping our clothes for a long time, and Mozilla, um, who's just released her YouTube channel and she's uh, growing at a steady pace. So congratulations, Mo. Brad and Lex, you can see us on as well. And, um, you know, anybody that's out there just fucking trying to fight for fucking, you know, the right to party, we're, we're all about it. So thank you all very much. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks everybody. Be frank, signing off. And have a good one. This is the Freshly Based Fam saying over and out.